kick those tires and start that virtually fake fire. It takes two to tango because my special guest here is founder and chief woobler Justine Tew, who in full transparency and candor is also a client of ours. So I'm very excited to have her on the show for multiple reasons, though I can assure you I am not compensated for having her on this show financially. But emotionally, the gift and joy of working with crochet animals that are taking off like crazy is worth its weight in yarn. So Justine, thank you for being on the virtual camping show. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Ryan. Thanks. <laughs> intro. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, I, it's funny. I love having founders on uh, because I get to vicariously live through the insanely long hours uh, that you guys get to put into all this. Uh, and could you just, for the record, let's, we'll treat this like a congressional testimony. Could you, Mrs. Chu, explain for those who have no idea what we're talking about, what in fact is a wooble and why is it so popular right now? Yes, perhaps the best way to explain what a wooble is is to show you a wooble. Oh my gosh, there it is, folks. These are the things that are taking the internet by storm. That is Pierre the Penguin. Hello, Pierre. With Fred the Dino. <laughs> Fred the Dino. These are crochet, and I know I'm going to mispronounce this, but is it Amigurumi? Yeah, got it. Look at that. Amigurumi crochet animal kits that teach you how to crochet in just a day, and it is blowing up. So tell us... Actually, just give us the origin story. How did you get into this? Yeah, I got into crocheting when I was an adult, actually. When I <laughs> was 26. I don't even know how many years ago that was now. Um, but I feel like a lot of people have this perception that, oh, you get into crochet and knitting and things like that when you're a kid. Not for me. I picked it up because in my past life, I used to be a UX designer, a user experience designer at Google. Uh, specialize in edtech products, love my job, love it so much that they made me a manager. Turns out I sucked at being a manager. And so to get my mind off of that, I picked up some other hobbies, one of those being crochet. And then that act of learning how to crochet, well, one, I just liked crochet. I mean, it enabled me to make cute things like this. But then two, also, it just helped me rebuild my self-confidence. So that's why we made the Wubble, to help remind other people that, hey, you still have it in you to learn something new. Oh, man. So you were actually at Google. So you were working for the one of four companies that will rule the world. I know the outcome is disputed between Facebook, Amazon, Google, and uh, who's the fourth? Are we saying who else is in the running to run uh, Tesla, I guess, at this point, right? Because they're going to control my solar power and my car, right? Yes. <laughs> or Twitter or X. Okay, so you're at Google and you're a designer. Now, I know this about you because you have the ability to see things on products and color palettes that others claim is seeing by faith. So walk us through, how did you, did you go to Google straight out of college? Were you like, I need to go work for, you know, one of the cool tech companies? And how did you escape? Because they have amazing food. Anyone who's ever been to a Google campus knows that there's great amenities. So how on earth were you able to get out? Yes, the golden handcuffs are real. I did join straight out of college. I studied uh, as one would because it is very relevant to the crochet business. I studied electrical engineering uh, <laughs> and I wanted to work in, at the time I was like consumer electronics and robots. Those are cool things. And then I discovered I didn't enjoy spending hours alone in a lab uh, and then discovered this whole realm of product design. You can be the person who designs like the concept of the product and why people would use it and interact with other humans. So that's why I wanted to be a UX designer. 
Um, and then I guess, yeah, college me was like, Google sounds like a good place to work. One of those big companies. Uh, I did not start off as a UX designer at Google, actually. I started off in this other role that I like to call ad spam popo. Basically, I used to help train a machine to be like, that's a bad ad or that's a bad ad account. When I think train a machine, uh, I literally mean I looked at a website or an ad and then I clicked a button. Not fancy engineering work that I did. But when the machines come for us, they will know that it was your inputs that helped lead them to enslave the human race. Yes, they will hopefully still be loyal to me. That's right. See if they're actually there's something like it's like those animals that were raised and then released into the wild and then they see you again and they remember you. Is that what this is going to be like the wolf you raised as a puppy? And then it went back to be with a pack and that comes back and it remembers you. I wish that ads and ad accounts were warm and fuzzy like such creature, but I don't think so, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. What was Google actually? So you must have joined at an interesting time because I, I'm trying to, Google's ascendancy began in the early 2000s, right? Is that when it sort of like really started dominating? And then what, what, what was going on in the Google, Google sphere when you joined? Yeah, I feel like at the time, you know, it was still just like, the energy I remember feeling of like, ooh, it's so exciting. I guess that was the, actually literally the time that that movie came out about Google. The internship, was that the movie? Where it was like filmed at Google campus. So it was like the beginnings of the times when people are like, ooh, tech companies are a fun place to work because they have all these perks and cool imaginative ideas, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, Google was doing like pumping out a bunch of new products. Google Plus, uh, which is now dead was uh, in the works and coming out. And Google was like, yeah, we're going to get in the social game and we're going to make self-driving cars and all that fun stuff. I remember Google+, Plus, but remember, not all that Google's is gold because deep within the fortress of solitude and great amenities, you were not feeling yourself. You were not particularly happy teaching machines how to make better ads. No, I was not. I mean, I did get to become a UX designer after a year of teaching machines uh, but even then I mean I did I definitely loved it for uh, part of my time there I think really when I became a manager is when I was like ooh the dark side and that I think you know for me as a designer I really like doing things where I can point to what I made or did at the end of the day and just as a manager it's like well now you're dealing with people and it's like what did I do I had a lot of meetings and hopefully people took my advice so you went from managing humans and sentient beings to inanimate yarn-based creatures. Yes, they're much more cooperative. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So you left Google and you said, and crochet actually was a therapeutic process for you. And actually, I've actually seen some studies that people who engage in crochet do have better, I think, self-reported outcomes of mental health. Is that something that you hear a lot from the community? Oh, yeah, for sure. We have a lot of people. So we have a really big active Facebook group that has almost 100,000 people now. Um, and wow. a lot of them talk about how like they discovered the Wibbles during like a low point in their lives, similar to how I discovered crocheting uh, in that way. And yeah, that it's helped with their anxiety and all sorts of other issues that they've been having. Why do you think that is? I really am a believer of like, people do need that friendly reminder that they can still do what it is that they put their mind to. That like there is something, you know, even though I'm a designer and I like the, the physical outcome of something, like I do think that for most people, like when you can do like a small project or prove to yourself and have physical evidence that you did something, uh, like learn something new, 
uh, then it just helps you build up your confidence. So like, you know, if you, you make this bunny and then you're like, hey, everything's all right in the world because I'm still functional enough to make a little bunny, a cute little bunny. I think that that does like really help people's mentality. What about someone like me who, if they attempted to make that bunny and it came out looking more demonic in nature, would that be, would it cut both ways? Would I be depressed about the world being like, wow, I messed up the easy to learn crochet kit that teaches you to crochet in just a day? No, I don't think so. I think that like no matter how it comes out, I mean, mine look like this because I've been crocheting for years, right? But, like, okay. Every, almost everyone, yeah, truly almost everyone, their first woobles like do not look at all like what's on the packaging and that's to be expected but it's just more that you tried you actually learned some new things like you encountered some struggles and then you overcame it and yeah. I think even though it's applied to a little crochet plushy that type of mentality can get applied to all sorts of things in your life all right so let's get into helping other founders or folks figure out the difference between a fun cathartic hobby and potentially a very successful business what was the moment when you realized, hey, I think we have something here uh, and the entrepreneur hat starts to come on and you're like, I think we can take this somewhere. Yeah, uh, definitely. The moment was when we started getting DMs and emails from customers who were just telling us like their life stories and the impact that the Googles had on their lives. Because I personally have never interacted with any brand where I was like so moved by what kind of impact it had on my life that I was like, I must send a very personal email or message to this brand. Oh, you've never done that for your cable company? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> very different type of personal message that I've sent. That's, that's true. So you were making this as a hobby, and then what made you decide to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, I think I could sell this, or I think I could put something together? Yeah. I mean, at first I was just designing patterns because uh, for me, I was like, I've only ever done digital design. So I was like, oh my gosh, like physical kits dealing with inventory, uh, warehouses and all that kind of stuff sounds really scary. Um, but then yes. husband, my now husband made an excellent point to that. Hey, you know, there's more people who don't know how to crochet than people who do know how to crochet. So maybe, maybe there's something with uh, like, you know, actually teaching how to crochet. Um. So, yeah, I started off by selling these kits. And I remember I interacted with a person who lived near us who was super, like, shy and seemed very un or not confident when she was talking to me. She kept telling me how she's tried to learn how to crochet for years, hasn't ever worked out. She thought, I think it was literally this bunny she saw. She was like, this looks so cute. I'd never be able to make that. And I was like, false, I will teach you. So I met up with her for an hour in some cafe. Uh, and like, even in that cafe, I could tell that she was very timid. Like she kept apologizing for being late, for taking too long to place an order, all these little things. But then as we like, as we went through the lesson, as I taught her how to crochet, I saw how she became more confident, like literally in that span of one hour. And then like the aha moment when she figured out like the basic stitch and stuff, she was like so excited. And then it just carried with like the way she carried herself out of that mm. cafe later on. So that is what gave me the idea that like hey this feeling of boosting your self-confidence through crochet doesn't just apply to me it can apply to other people hmm. so when she left would you say she had resting stitch face yes <laughs> that's awesome so you go there and you say okay I, I think this has legs and then 
Were you just, how did you, what was your first platform to sell on? Were you doing them on Etsy? Did you throw up a website and run some ads that you had trained? How did mm-hmm. we, uh, how do we do our first sales? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it was just like a side little hobby. So I did have an Etsy store. Uh, but then I guess like when we actually took it seriously, my husband also decided to work on this with me and we opened up a Shopify store and then ran ads to it. That's really like the beginning of the woobles as we see it today before that. Oh, man. Just- now, do you actually, do, do you think that some of the success can be attributed to, uh, at all the pandemic or just the, the idea that people were forced indoors and really like their normal behavioral patterns are disrupted. And so this was a, a like, I mean, it's kind of like obviously right place, right time. Like it's a good environment for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely an element of luck and timing. Like what me and my husband always say is uh, you got to put yourself in a position to be lucky though. So like if we hadn't had all that stuff set up, then it wouldn't matter at all that that was like the right time because um, we couldn't take advantage of that. Oh, I see the comments. I know. In fact, I see a lot of comments. I have to say the ads that your team puts out are fantastic, especially yeah. some of this. You have one that had Fred watching Jurassic Park that I thought was perhaps the most brilliant piece of content I've ever witnessed. So yes. shout out to your ad team. I think they do a phenomenal job. Oh, um, yes. You did a great job, too. <laughs> Um, so for someone who's saying, you know, I am thinking about starting my business or I've got something, it's a hobby. People have told me that I have something and now it's time to find out whether there's a market for it. Is your advice to throw up Etsy store? Try, I mean, do you like the route y'all took Etsy shop? I just start running some ads or see if you can sell it. Is that what you would advise future founders? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what kind of product you're selling. Not everything will make sense throw up on Etsy. I do definitely think it is a lot easier to to put something up on an existing marketplace, though. Then you don't have to worry so much about customer acquisition. Because if you just throw up a Shopify site and then have to figure out how to drive traffic to it, that's a much more difficult beast, especially like, you know, we started the company three years ago. And even in that small period of time, the ad, like the way ads works is very different now. So, and then it scaled up. And then, of course, um, you guys were featured on a fringe little show I've heard of called Shark Tank, I, 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 some tiny little program, et cetera. Uh, did that result in, uh, I mean, is, is, there a, is, is there a blessing that comes, like, when you say, like, I'm Shark Tank, does that, inf- like, confer, like, automatic credibility and shoot your sales up? No matter what happens on the show, if you're on Shark Tank, do people just look at you differently? Like, dude, you were on Shark Tank. Uh, I would definitely think the, the average person, if yeah, if they meet us and then they find out, they're very intrigued by this. Or I think a lot of times when we're talking to people who we want to like potentially work with, they Google us and they're like, you are a shark dick. I watched your episode. I know all the things about you. So it's definitely helpful in that way. Did you ever get recognized? Did it, have you ever met someone who's like, I saw you on Shark Tank? Uh, it's only happened once and it was... Okay. Uh, it actually happened to be we were at like the NC State Fair and we used to order cardboard boxes from this local cardboard box shipping company. And he was the driver who used to, to drop things off at my in-law's house. And then we ran into him. He was like, you guys were rushed and I recognize you. All right. So I'm curious. Uh, these woobles all have little, uh, like little personality attributes and names. And I would love to dig in a little. So how did we pick? which animals to go with? How did we name the animals? Uh, walk me through a little bit of the Woobles lore. 
Yeah. Well, I feel like I have always loved cute things ever since I was a kid. You know, I actually used to want to be an animator. So uh, I've always like loved cartoons and animals in particular. So that's just basically why the Woobles are a bunch of cartoonish animals. Uh, and I cared a lot about making like a really colorful palette, bright colorful palette of them. That's why our core collection is like a bunch of really bright colors. Uh, and then from there, that's how I decide which animals to make. And then as for the names, I feel like I just have a very random brain. And so I literally sit around and I'm like, yeah, so that sounds great. Pierre the Penguin. So Fred, so Pierre the Penguin was not supposed to be somewhat alliterative as a P, but like Fred the Dino was just Fred. Yep. I just like the fact that it was like, you know, a T-Rex, a dinosaur. I just wanted to make the pun that like, don't worry, he's mostly armless. And I thought it'd be funny if he had a really simple name, simple, short, normal sounding name. That's very funny. All right. So, all right. So literally the names were just conjured up in your random imagination. Yes. Although there are some that have a little bit more of a backstory. For example, we have a Shiba Inu uh, uh, Wooble, but we also have a Shiba Inu dog. It was cut off by this frame, but is currently passed out on the couch over there. Her name is Kaya. We adopted her that way. Sounded too formal to us. So then we added a last name, Toast, because that is a very delicious Singaporean breakfast food, Kaya Toast. So now we have a Wooble Shiba Inu named Toast the Shiba Inu. That's amazing. Now, if one were, if I were to apply to have, say, Ryan the Rhinoceros, um, mm -hmm. how would I submit said suggestion? Uh, that was the submission process, and so it has been accepted into the brain. <laughs> there you go, Ryan. So, and as far as picking out the animals, uh, was it literally just what animals do you like, or is there actually like popularity where you're like, you know, dinosaurs are big, or people love penguins? Like, did you, was there any thought or data research put into picking animals? I would like to say that there was more research done than there actually turned out to be. There are some things that were, you know, sort of like, you know, we should make a bunny because Easter is a big thing. A bunny yeah. and a... That, that's like the origin of that. But um, I can't even, I mean, I've always loved it's a kid drawing penguins. And so I think that's why I just started with a penguin. There is some amount of like, we always want to make uh, animals that have very simple shapes because our kids are for beginners. So you guys do not, do not have plans for the sort of uh, biblical uh, cherubim, the angels with four wings and a thousand eyes and wings of fire and mm -hmm. four heads. Uh, that's yeah. a new Old Testament line of woobles that'll be coming out one day. Maybe one day. Also, you have some, I don't know what's public and what's not, but there, all, one thing that's cool about the woobles is you guys can partner with almost anyone and create like special collabs. So are there any... I've seen some on the website, but what are some, are there any limited edition things coming out that you can tell us about or any fun collabs you've done? Uh, yeah. Well, in the past, we have, we, so we've just started our licensing program. So we started off with Miffy, which is that Dutch bunny. Then we did Pac-Man, which sold out in 42 minutes in the wow. early the sale. And then our biggest drop uh, that is launching in August is BT-21. Wow. Not BTS, the boy band, right? But BT21. 21. 21. Yes. And I'm a huge fan. And so I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. That's really cool. And there's um, rumors that you'll have a big display in New York City. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, our awesome ad people worked on that amazing display as well. 
Oh man, I did. There's rumors that one of the chief animators for that project is still suffering from psychological damage incurred from staring at his screen and rendering, but uh, those reports remain unconfirmed. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, do we have any uh, visuals of what those will look like? I've got, I've got five of the seven here. <laughs> There's a introduce us to them. All right, so we've got my personal favorite cookie. Uh, and then we've got Shooky. Looks like a cookie, but its name is not Cookie. It is Shooky. All right. This is Koya. This is Chimmy. And this is RJ. And we're not, but well, I find it right now, but there's also Tata and Mang. They're the other two. Tata and Mang are off having a moment, maybe, you know. So we don't know where Tata and Mang are right now. So. Um, that's awesome. Well, that is a really cool. Guy. Now these collabs, do, are folks reaching out to you now because they just want to have, or is this something where you're reaching out to, to brands you love? Like how does Pac-Man come about? That's such a random, uh, but fun collab. Yeah, it is both ways. Actually, we do have a lot of brands coming to us, but then there are certain brands that we really want that haven't come to us yet. And so we go after them. Well, call them out. Who's a brand you'd love right now. I'm sure they're listening. Oh, Pokemon. Nintendo. Pokemon Did Nintendo. <laughs> oh man, Charmander and Pikachu. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? All right. Well, Nintendo team, I know you're listening. So please, right? I mean, after that Tetris movie, anything's possible. So, yeah. all right. So, say we, after Pokemon, say one of the top three brands in the world, what's next? Uh, yeah, would love Nintendo, Disney, any of those. So, in terms of how Pac Man came about, turns out there is a expo that happens every year in vegas called the licensing expo and all these brands go and it's all about trying to make deals licensing deals but we found out about it like maybe a month before it happened last year and we foolishly as first-time founders were just like oh cool we'll show up we'll talk to people and we'll convince them to, to do these deals with us turns out you actually have to pre-book all those meetings like months ahead of time and so um. No one wanted to talk to us, but we still waved around Pierre the Penguin and his kit and tried to woo as many people as possible. Uh, and I think my husband was, so actually I caught COVID uh, right before then. So Oh no, we got the vid. Yes. So I wasn't able to participate in the Pac-Man pitching, but my husband pitching his heart out to the person at the front desk. And eventually one of the um, licensing managers came out and he was like, all right, fine, I'll take a meeting with you right now. That's how it worked. Wow. Okay, so I love this. So for founders, salespeople, et cetera, you know, there's, there's sort of a trend right now where they're like, no cold calling, don't just show up. Talk a little bit about the hustle, though. We've had a lot of other, uh, uh, when Ryan Ellis, the uh, CEO of Travis Matthews on here, he's he loves cold calling and he actually respects. He was like, hey, if someone cold calls a couple times, they're like, all right, you're dedicated. That might be something I respect. Like contrary to like, I'm annoying this person. He's like, no, I was in sales. I know what it's like. So uh, do we just need to get back out there and hustle some more since we're so digital now? Does it make it all the more important to just get those face-to-face meetings? I mean, you had one meeting that wasn't even on the books and you got Pac-Man. So yeah. I mean, you need to go to a Pokemon conference, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there's value. There's definitely... Um, I think like another phrase that we often live by is how you do anything is how you do everything. And so put your heart out, put your all into everything. You know, we have this mentality of like, you don't want to let an opportunity go past you. 
Uh, and like, you know, you don't want to have any regrets. So you got nothing to lose, like by cold calling or doing any of these things. The most that will happen is they just won't acknowledge you exist. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, can be traumatic for some. Uh, and that's I, I appreciate that. But you can go home and crochet and, of course, you know, recover, recover. Uh, let me ask you this. Every every business I know has multiple of these stories. But if you could find one, I'd love this. Uh, was there an oh, shoot moment? Um, either a shipping snafu or something you forgot to do or that ever just like was like, oh, my gosh, like, how are we going to how are we going to get past this A supply issue or anything? Anything that came down like an 11th hour story? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest problem with us is that we have never I mean, we've never done this before. We've never made anything at mass scale. And so we were all excited that like, oh, hey, you know, we we used to produce everything in North Carolina, like literally me, my husband, my parents, in-laws. And then that of, it's like, a family of a family affair. Exactly. Yeah. So we were like, this is not sustainable. Like we're constantly making crochet kits. So then we found a factory to work with and we were like, great, this is going to be awesome. Uh, you know, everything's going to go swimmingly fine because we're going to tell them exactly what we want. But like looking back on it, it's like we were definitely not specific enough. And so and we also had no concept of how does one actually do any sort of quality control. So our first shipment of thousands of kits comes in like right before Black Friday, first Black Friday or second Black Friday. Ooh. We're like, like we're hallelujah, like we're going to be totally fine now because of this. Turns out basically everything is wrong. And so now proceeds like me, my mom and my mother-in-law having to fix like thousands of kits by hand. What was wrong with the kits? Um, so our kids come pre-started free because the the beginning part of making anything that's crocheted round like this is the hardest part. Yeah. So all of that was terrible and like totally done wrong. Now, I'm curious for those who want, because so had you toured this factory, met with the people, seen prototypes, and then it just came out wrong or no? No, that's how I really <laughs> were extremely not experienced. Also... I, I, this <laughs> is also like height of COVID where it's like, oh, you're not in the country, like at this point. Yeah, well, less we so were... less lesson learned. If you are gonna be moving from a basically domestic family affair sweatshop with your relatives to outsourcing to a factory, uh, you would insist on maybe seeing the facility and the actual product prior to it arriving in batches of say a thousand or more. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. <laughs> Lessons learned, right? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, ah, uh, yes, that seems like a simple thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. So obviously a lot of people want to be founders, right? But it's not for everybody. I mean, is there, do you see now being, I mean, I, I feel like when I meet people, it's usually one or the other. Like a lot of people, if they, if autonomy and the ability to kind of work at your own pace and, and you need to do something you're passionate about, uh, if that's your gig, then, you know, founding is going to be a lot different experience for you and more fun than sort of the comforts of, hey, it's, Five thirty, six o'clock. I'm like, I'm not my problem, right? Is there? Do you have different appreciation now, being on the other side of like, oh, like it's Friday at five and I'm done for the weekend. You know, I've seen your Slack green light; it never goes off. Yeah, I definitely. I I feel like when I was working a corporate job, I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to like, you know, find my my own hours and schedules, which is apparently is all the time now. But now that I've experienced founder life, I am like, yeah, you know, there are some pretty great pros to being able to clock out at some point as well. 
Do you have anything when you need to get some deep work done? Uh, is there anything that you, uh, a lot of founders talk about their flow state or what they, you know, is there music? Do you have a preferred beverage sponsorship opportunity? You know, is there something that you uh, love to that kind of help sustain you during long, long protracted periods of woob intense woobling? I don't have any sort of magic switch. It just depends on what the thing is. I feel like I, the only time I hit flow state, ironically, is designing crochet powder. I really hey. like doing that. Um, but I know. That, it's just like I try to have all, almost all meetings on one day so that I have large chunks of time. Okay. Well, any other advice you would say to young future founders and also to your customer, your hundreds of thousands of happy Wooblers out there who love it? I'm sure they're going to love to hear from the matriarch of the chief of the chief Woobler herself. Yeah. Well, for founders, my biggest advice is look for that product market fit before you do other things. You know, I think a lot of times people get caught up in thinking they got to figure out the perfect thing before they release it out into the world. And I think it's a lot more about like, you just got to learn. And the only way to learn is to put something out in the world and then get feedback on that and then get better. So, you know, don't get caught up in making like the most beautiful brand ever because you just got to make sure that you got a product people want first. And see a prototype. Yes. And see a prototype. <laughs> don't invest thousands before you in at least one. Probably more. Was your heart like, what was your heart like when you saw that? Were you like, was there a moment of like, wake up, bad dream? Or was it like, oh, no, all right, we just got to fix it. Let's go. Yeah, it's just you just got to fix it. I feel like during that time, truly, it's just a grind, like so much physical grind in the beginning of the business. Um, and then now it's more mental grind. Well, and then it becomes the balance of both. And then it becomes more mental grind. I have this like visual of you walking in your family. Let's go pick it up. And you're like, my fingers. Hurt. It's like been woobling for 12 hours. You know? Yeah, I mean, it truly went like at all times, always be like spinning yarn, like crocheting things, and <laughs> like a fashion district shop. You know, that's funny. Yeah, um, that's amazing. And then to all the Wooble fans out there, this is a message. It's like a state of the union, state of the Woobles union from the matriarch herself. What is the yeah. state of the Woobles? State of the Woobles is great, and I just want to say thank you to all the Wooblers out there who helped us get to this point. We just turned three years old last month, so I still feel like we're a pretty young company, and I think we've done some amazing things together and definitely would not be here without all of you Wooblers' support. So thank you. Wow. That's amazing. And Justine, can you comment at all? Um, there have been rumors of a on-and-off-again romance between Kiki and Felix, uh, can you comment on that at all? Yes, that's why I brought them here. <laughs> oh, I see. So, uh, can you, I don't know if there's any uh, you know, elaboration you can offer us, but uh, we've seen a few videos where there seems to be a, a steamy connection. So. Yeah, there definitely seems to be. I'm not sure it's two sided yet, though. I definitely okay. that Kiki uh, definitely finds Felix quite the fox, but we have yet to oh. hear what Felix's uh, opinion of Kiki is. Well, it's all pun and games with Justine Tube. Last question as we say goodbye. I always love asking this because obviously founding a company is a huge life change, but getting married is an even bigger one. And how did you meet your husband? And I'll probably, at some point, we'll have to get his story uh, version of the story as well. But uh, from Justine's perspective, how did you guys meet? I always like, we know when there's two of us around, I always like to stay silent because I want to hear how he, he <laughs> but my answer is we had chemistry literally so 
We met in college in chemistry. Oh, I knew the second you said I knew I knew where that was going. I was like, okay, so <laughs> was he your lab partner? Nah, no, he was not. We were just both terrible at chemistry, and so we were at the So was it love at um, you know first beaker, or what was the sort of you know was it and it was organic chemistry, right? Yeah, it was a very organic yeah chemistry connection. Um, but yeah, it turns out we yeah we met in chemistry help room, and then it turned out we both lived in the same freshman dorm uh, on like up, opposite sides of the building. And so that's just how we met. We were like, oh, it turns out we're in two of the four same classes together. Guess we'll just hang out all the time now. So you guys were friends first. And then was there a moment when you're like, okay, I think, uh, you know, we can, you know, we can maybe we're closer on the periodic table than we think. Oh, yeah, for sure. We were friends for a short amount of time before. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. I love that. Well, that's really cool. Well, I'm sure if Adrian were here, he would confirm that account. But uh, we'll have to get he'll have to get uh, the man behind the yarn next yeah. time. Well, Justine, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate this. And of course, uh, people can go to thewoobles.com and start. Is there one Wooble you recommend if you're, what's the gateway Wooble? The one that like might open the door to everything. Pierre the Penguin is the gateway Wooble. <laughs> gateway Wooble. Okay. Pierre, Pierre the Penguin. So go on and get your Pierre the Penguin and start Woobling. There are proven benefits for your mental health and your mental, your, actually your finger dexterity, I'm convinced because you're just going to get like really coordinated. Um, and all your friends will think you're really cool because you make handmade crafts. And let's be honest, who does that anymore? That's amazing. So you are going to be very special. So join the hundreds of thousands of Wooblers out there. We've been Woobling with Justine Chu, founder. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Ryan.